Welcome to the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast, a view of culture, current events, and politics through a biblical lens, with your hosts, Neil Boron, Bob Duco, Roger Marsh, and John Rush. Now let's join the conversation. Very happy to be back with you folks for another week of the National Crawford Roundtable with myself, Bob Duco out of Detroit, John Rush out of Denver, Roger Marsh out of California. Uh, Neil Boron is not with us today. Uh, so, guys, I say we talk about Neil behind his back. I know he's out getting yep. his pedicure appointment, but, you know, we make fun of him behind his back. That's, that's what we do, you know. So, But, no, we, we wish Neil and his family the best in this Thanksgiving week. Uh, so, guys, this week we're going to talk about COVID, COVID and Thanksgiving. This is Thanksgiving week, of course, and uh, we're seeing a lot of calls from many Democrat governors – as well as the CDC, basically telling people cancel Thanksgiving. Don't and, go and some re, and some Republicans. Let's go ahead. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. let's go ahead and point it where it needs pointed. Yeah, Bob. there are some Republicans too, and they make my eye twitch. It's mostly Democrats, but you're right. Uh, but basically, telling us don't go over the river and through the woods to grandmother's house. Uh, no, stay home. Don't travel here in Michigan. We're told don't have more than 10 people in your home and don't have more than two households represented. That would be your household plus one more. So I guess of all of my kids, my adult kids, I have to pick and choose who's going to come to the house for Thanksgiving and who's not. Uh, it just it drives me crazy. So I want to talk about that and a lot of other things as well, mask wearing, vaccines, uh, and just many different aspects to get to in this. But first, guys, let's go around and talk a little bit about uh, the – the the orders for Thanksgiving that what we're what we're here and are you planning on altering your Thanksgiving plans at all? I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not Thanksgiving in the Duco house. You won't know if it was 2019, 2018, or 2020. It's exactly the same. Guys, come on over. We get together with the family and to Gretchen Whitmer, our governor. I say on you, uh, come and get me if you don't like it. So you know, we'll see what happens. Maybe I'm being a bad Christian. Maybe she's supposed to be the governing authority that I obey and not the Constitution. I don't think so. Uh, I don't. I don't see where these governors have a right to tell us now constitutionally what family members we can meet with in our own homes. Enough is enough, and I say Thanksgiving, keep it the same. What do you guys say? Let's go around the table, because I know some people are going to say this is reckless, this is dangerous, this is insensitive, and we're being super spreaders. Uh, let's, uh, let's, uh, John, <laughs> let me start with you. John Rush, Rush to Reason out of Denver, Colorado. What's your take on this? Well, if that's the case, and I, I'm actually – on vacation this week, so we did our Thanksgiving last Saturday night, and um, I guess send the authorities because we had the whole family and everybody was uh, doing exactly to your point, Bob, just like we would have in 2019 or 18 or 17 or you know pick a year. It really didn't change anything in our family the way we did things, and I've got you know elderly parents and and all of that, and the reality is everybody came over, still had a great time, still had fun, still did the things that we as a family would do. And, you know, my, my parents understand, you know, the risks, but they've been around family the whole time anyways. It's, it's not like just because it's Thanksgiving, you're not going to get together with family. I don't know what these governors are thinking. If you're a really close family, like a lot of families are, you're spending time with one another outside of Thanksgiving anyway. So what difference does it make if you get together for Thanksgiving? Right. All right. No harm being done. Roger Marsh, of course, the bottom line out of the People's Republic of California. Roger, what do you say? 
Well, I think this is where all the Thanksgiving restrictions started, wasn't it? It was in uh, Governor Newsom's office. And, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, the fact that the governor got together last week at a, a private meeting with California health officials in a public restaurant, no masks, laughing, mm-hmm. joking, having a great time while they were telling everybody else, you can't right. have one. Now, we're, we're lucky, Bob, in, in California, the People's Republic, you actually get to have three households. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. So you guys ought to come out here and, you know, get, we'll duck <laughs> inside the state line so you won't have any problems. But no, we're, we're in the same situation as as you guys are as well. Um, Lisa and I have six kids between the two of us, and um, we will all be together for Thanksgiving. I'll just put it that way. Now, what's very interesting is we're in a new neighborhood. There are a lot of uh, folks who are a little more elderly, and we had more Biden-Harris signs in our neighborhood than Trump-Pence signs. I'll put it that way. They were a pretty equal amount, but there were definitely more of one or the other. So I'm sure we're probably going to hear that you know, at the door at some point saying, there's three cars in your driveway. And uh, we know you have two cars in the parking lot, in the garage. But nonetheless, I mean, we're, we're celebrating that way as well. Now, my parents are in their late 80s. They live in a, a facility that was on pretty strict lockdown because there's a skilled nursing facility and assisted living there as well as active seniors. And by their, their decree was, I mean, they said, look, we really encourage you not to go out. I spoke with my parents earlier this week and they said, you know, we're going to go ahead and take a meal here. We'll call you guys and, you know, we'll do that. That's what the, I, want to, I want to respect their wishes because they both have compromised health situations and they're 87. But if they were in good health and said, you know, get us on over to your house, one of my kids would be picking them up and driving them over to our place. I mean, that's just that's just the way it is. You can't go after people in a situation like this. And Bob, your point is excellent. Families have been getting together. <clears throat> excuse me. Families have been getting together all throughout this thing. So why now? You know, Thanksgiving just seems like they're hunting fish in a barrel. It's ridiculous. It, it is. Which, by the way, Gavin Newsom, d- did you forget that was an outdoors dining place? Right. Yes. <laughs> How dishonest. Right. I mean, some of these yeah. eras, like, now, wait a minute. They slid the glass doors closed, and they were still so noisy in there. And But you know what that points, though, to me? And maybe I'm looking at this wrong, guys. But when I see these Democrat leaders, be it Nancy Pelosi going to get her hair done, be it Gavin Newsom gathering around elbow to elbow, be it these Democrat governors and politicians joining the Black Lives Matter protests out there elbow to elbow with people, and we're seeing example after example after example of these key Democrats, and by the way, media figures as well, that when Mm -hmm. they don't know the camera's rolling, they don't have a mask on, they're elbow to elbow with people, Andrew Cuomo was originally going to get together for Thanksgiving with his family, including his 89-year-old mother, but decided to cancel after the backlash. Okay, fine. But here, to me, is the takeaway from this. If these Democrats and these media figures really honestly in their hearts believe that coronavirus was as dangerous as they've been claiming it is, I don't believe they would put their own family's lives at risk. I mean, would would Gavin Newsom really... If he thought coronavirus was a danger and a threat, would he really uh, place himself in that situation knowing full well that he could go home, give it to his kids, give it to his family, give it to his parents, give it to – no. This tells me they know this is a scam. They know it's not as dangerous as they're claiming it is. Otherwise, they wouldn't take their masks off and be face-to-face with people when they think nobody's looking. Maybe I'm being conspiratorial here, but I don't think they think it's that – I think they look at it the same way that we do. They're just playing a game publicly. That's right. Well, let's face it, guys. This is, in my opinion, this isn't about 
the health and safety. I've been on conference calls with county health departments and so on in our area. And I'm here to tell you what, folks, even the answers they give individuals when it comes to certain things they're asking, this is not about the health of a society. This is about the control of a society, period. It has nothing to do with the health and safety of individuals. It's all about how can they control you. And I believe this is just one step closer to them doing more of that. I think this is a gigantic test on the American public. And, you know, was it planned? No, I don't think they, they plan to have the virus release and then do what they're doing. But I do think they've capitalized on a virus that was released and are doing right. everything possible to determine what is human behavior moving forward, you know, going to look like in the United States of America. And to, to, a, to a large degree, guys, I think they're looking at this saying, how well have we done in the public education system of brainwashing the individuals that are now considered the citizens of the United States of America? And what can we now get by with? In other words, what will they accept that we put upon them? And I think this is a gigantic test. And frankly, we have failed. Right. I'll tell you what, I could not agree more. And actually, Roger, let me ask you something about this. I'm not a conspiracy. None of us are conspiracy theorists kind of people. Okay. We don't we don't buy into the people who say, hey, there's a secret society, whether it's uh, Bilderberg or the Illuminati, and they're pulling the strings and the puppets and they control everything and they pick the presidents and they're doing mind control with us. And no, we don't get into that kind of stuff. Uh, But there are people who will say that it sounds conspiratorial to say, you know what, the, the government, the establishment, they're, the Democrats, they're using COVID as a means of controlling every aspect of our lives and conditioning us to usher in this new age of communism, socialism, totalitarianism, government control over everything that you can do in your lives. Uh, Roger, I don't see this in the same conspiratorial light as I see a lot of the Illuminati kind of talk that some people have. This seems to me a very legitimate thing that the Democrats and liberals on average do have a philosophy and mindset of the government knows what's best for your life better than you do and Mm -hmm. government control and restricting individual freedoms and liberties. And so, yeah, I think COVID originally they saw as a golden opportunity to uh, try to drive Trump out of office and see if we can create an albatross to hang around his neck and let's keep everybody in hype and fear. And and I think that paid off for them. And now that it looks like he's lost, uh, Rahm Emanuel, hey, let's not let a good crisis Mm -hmm. go to waste. This is an opportunity now for us to, we've got people in panic and fear, let's condition people to say, hey, Uh, Do what the government tells you. Follow us like sheep. We will control your lives. We'll keep you safe and alive. And I see a lot of people, including conservatives, including Christians, falling for this. And it's just, it it drives me crazy. But is that conspiratorial for us to think that this is going on? Well, I have a couple of thoughts on this, but it looks like we're coming up on our first break. You know what? So rather You're right. than try to rush through them, great point. That? Great point. I'm glad. You're, I'm glad one of us is looking at the clock. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Let's take let's take a short break. We'll pick it up from there a couple minutes from now here on the National Crawford Roundtable. Be transformed by the Word of God with Alistair Begg and Truth for Life. Every weekday, Alistair Begg teaches the Bible through in-depth, verse-by-verse attention to the Word of God. You can listen to Truth For Life on your local Crawford Broadcasting Station or listen online at truthforlife.org. 
Please support this important ministry with your donations at the truthfullife.org website or by calling 888-588-7884 and be sure to let them know you heard about Truthful Life from the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. Continuing this National Crawford Roundtable podcast with Roger Marsh of The Bottom Line out of the People's Republic of California, John Rush, Rush to Reason out of Denver, Colorado, myself, Bob Duco, The Bob Duco Show in Detroit. Neil Boron uh, is not with us today. We wish Neil and his family all the best, and we look forward to him being back with us next week. So, Roger, before the break, I was asking you, are we caving into conspiracy theory nonsense when we say that the liberals, the Democrats in this country, they are now using coronavirus to basically condition Americans to give up their rights and liberties for the government controlling every aspect of their lives? I do see that happening. Oh, I see it too. I think I think we would all be in agreement of that. And back to the Rahm Emanuel quote, which is it just rings so ominously now when we think back to what was it, two thousand eight, two thousand nine, when he when he just very matter of factly said, "You never let a good crisis go to waste." Right. Here we are now, you know, ten, eleven years later, and realizing that when the coronavirus pandemic, before it became pandemic level, was being pr- promoted, uh, I believe it was Kate Brown, who's the uh, the the sister of former California Governor Jerry Brown, who's the governor of Oregon right now, she declared a state of emergency for the state of Oregon three weeks before the pandemic was even declared a pandemic. They were already lining up for their free federal money because they knew this was going to be a crisis, and by golly, they weren't going to let it go to waste. My, my parents are educators. I've got a couple of kids who are in the education system, and one of the things I think is that, that has prepared us, quote-unquote, for this moment is, in fact, uh, to John's point and, and the points you've been making too, Bob, the fact that we have some of the most uh, over-celebrated uh, people in the country. One out of every three millennials has a bachelor's degree or better. So many people have bought into the educational system that says, well, you're smart because you have a bachelor's degree or a master's or a PhD. And yet people are getting these degrees and things that lack any kind of common sense so that they will just believe the government think, the government speak that they've been hearing for years. And I'm amazed. I mean, we talk about the the, the people on the left who are saying, now's the time for unity. And 75 million people are filled with hate. And uh, we have to do something about the fact that they're filled with hate. Rather than saying, wait a minute, you have to ask the question, if that many people voted for a guy like Donald Trump, maybe they're not f- filled with hate. Maybe they have a different view of how American life is, is working. And we see the Dow hitting 30,000. We see unemployment in the middle of a pandemic under 7% and say, wait, he must be doing something right. But they've just decided in their own minds, he's evil, COVID's dangerous, we're all going to die. And it's amazing how many people don't have the discernment to look at this now and say, this isn't some crazy Illuminati tinfoil hat nonsense. We're watching the mind control of so many different people to the point where Lisa and I've been out walking the dog some mornings and we've had neighbors who will literally turn their back on us and pull their masks up because we're not wearing a mask. The California mandate says if you are exercising, you don't need to wear a mask when you're outdoors. Right. But they're just so, they've they just bought they're drinking the Kool-Aid so much as it and, and so once the, the, their mentality is well once we get the vaccine, we can go back to life as we know it and everything's going to be normal again. I don't think there's a normal anymore i mean there really is this kind of cultural value civil war that's brewing and it's Mm -hmm. only a matter of time before well we can get to this a little bit later but i mean you'll notice there haven't been widespread riots and panicking and looting and destroying because of the outcome of the election or whatever even because of the mask mandate i don't know that it'll come to that but i mean i I can understand why it might all right now John, I'm curious because I want to talk also about when life is going to get back to normal. And we'll get into that in a little bit, I suppose, and, and what normal will be. But 
Let's talk about the mask wearing. I just, I know we've talked about this off and on in previous podcasts, but I, I'm just kind of curious to get an update on where everybody is with the mask wearing. John, how should we be looking at this? Wow. We're really going to go here. Okay. Yeah, let's go here. <laughs> let's go here. Which, by the no, way, I'm going to I'm going to be no, a this, huge no, troublemaker here. I mean, I'm, no, I, this is a because this is a hot button for me personally. Number one, there are so many studies out there now where there is inconclusive evidence that masks do anything for anybody wearing, you know, for, for anybody trying to either not right. give COVID or not get COVID. If you are thinking that by putting a mask on, you are somehow now immune from COVID, you are as crazy as the individuals that are trying to put all of these mandates and things in place, in my opinion. And, and I mean that sincerely. So really, for all of you that are listening out there, especially you Christians, if you think wearing a mask is somehow going to save you or someone around you from getting COVID, I think you're very, uh, you, you've been very misled and you have not read the data like I have when it comes. And, and by the way, guys, just common sense. I mean, about the only thing that I can think of, guys, where I do think a mask does have some protection in all cases when it comes to all sorts of things, including the common cold, is when somebody coughs or sneezes. Now, mm -hmm. if people had manners like we were raised and you actually covered your mouth or you coughed or sneezed into the corner of your arm or whatever the case may be, you know, then it wouldn't be as big of an issue anyways. The problem is people haven't been taught manners like they once were and they just sneeze and cough and do whatever all over. But I've said this from day one and I'll continue to say so. If you look at the way people actually wear masks, and I've said this from the get-go, I would be more of a fan of mask wearing if people actually wore them the way they're supposed to be worn. But I see so many people that fiddle around, they hang them from the rearview mirror, they lay them in the console of the car, they're laying on the table when they're actually eating dinner. And by the way, these are all things I've done, so I'm as guilty of this as anyone because it's <laughs> mm -hmm. with the mask when you're not wearing it. The reality is think about all the things that mask is actually picking up in the manner of what I just said a moment ago. Right. And then tell me how this is going to protect anyone from getting COVID at the end of the day. This is nothing more, again, than, than the mind trick we talked about earlier and the control factor. And I believe the mask wearing end of things, not only when it comes to Thanksgiving and the amount of people that we're supposed to have and so on. But the whole mask wearing thing is probably the largest test on all of human population, especially here in the United States of America, to see what in the world can they get us to actually do without even being forced to do so. In other words, what can we get the Karens and Kevins of the world right. to do and force upon the rest of society by shaming them if they don't wear a mask? That's where we're at in the United States of America today is if you don't wear one, you're going to be shamed by someone else, and it's a matter of how how bold can someone be. And by the way, and this is this goes back to even us as Christians. Some Christians are very bold, and some are not so bold. Some are very timid. I mean, some some look at somebody shaming them for wearing a mask and, and just want to cower and run away. So what do they do? They wear a mask. There's very few individuals like probably the three of us where you know what I'm going to wear a mask if I'm absolutely forced to. Otherwise, I am not, and I don't care what stink guy I get. Exactly. I'm not wearing a mask. Oh, I. I Oh, John, you're so, uh, you're a man after my own heart, I'm telling you. I, <laughs> that is exactly the way that I look at this because I am so sick and tired of people buying the lie, uh, falling for the lie, and I don't want to enable that lie. And I Me hear either. from people that, because here's kind of the counter argument that, uh, and if Neil were with us, he might say this because I know a lot of Christians will say this as well, that, 
Yeah, but do we want to inflict unnecessary pain and anxiety on other people that do believe that it's a danger and a threat and you're increasing their anxiety and whatever? And what I want to do is say, no, you're believing a lie and I'm not going to enable you believing that lie. Stop it. If we just had enough people. But here's the problem. You go into a store. If there's 100 people in Walmart and I'm the only Yahoo in there without a mask, okay, then what happens is it makes me look like the freak. And I agree with you, John. I don't care about the stink eye. And by the way, I don't look down and break eye contact. I just look at people directly. I mean, I walk in the store, and if there's you know somebody standing guard at the front door, the mask police, uh, before they have a chance to say anything, I say, uh, yeah, what aisle do I find, blah, blah, blah. Uh, well, that's aisle 10. Okay, thank you. And I just keep on walking, look them dead in the eye. It's like, no. But but when 99% of everybody is now wearing these masks and caving in, what it does is it feeds that perception that there's something freakish and wrong about us, us that don't do it. So if more people would who think like us would just say, yeah, I'm going to defiantly not wear a mask – you start going into stores and you see 10%, 20%, a third, a half of the people not wearing masks, we can start the snowball rolling in the other direction. So I, uh, I tell you, and Roger, I, I got to tell you guys uh, real quick, my son, my oldest son, I might have told you this already, I can't remember, my oldest son, Alan, he, uh, all my kids are on the same page. It's like, no, I'm not playing the mask game. Yeah, mine too. But uh, my oldest son, Alan, he uh, he knows that there's certainly certain political correctness things that you that uh, you never ever challenge somebody on in anything, and he actually did this. He went into a store, uh, a Bushimi store here in Metro Detroit, and when he walked in, the he didn't have a mask on, and the employee said, "Sir, sir," and my son turned around and said, "It's ma'am," and then just kept on walking. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he said, and he just looked at me like. He didn't know what to say, but he left me alone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. and so, That's good. But, uh, no, Roger, I want to get your take on this as well. We do have to take a short break. So let's take one more short break, and then we'll continue here on the National Crawford Roundtable. Learn how to walk the narrow path with Steve Gregg. With over 40 years of studying the Bible, Steve Gregg is passionate about teaching you how to apply scriptural wisdom to every aspect of your life. Listen to The Narrow Path on your local Crawford broadcasting station or online at thenarrowpath.com. The Narrow Path is 100% listener-supported. Please keep this vital ministry going with your generous financial support and let them know you heard about The Narrow Path on the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast. Continuing this National Crawford Roundtable Podcast with myself, Bob Duco, out of Detroit, uh, John Rush out of Denver, Colorado, Roger Marsh from the People's Republic of California, Neil Boron not with us today. We look forward to Neil being back with us next week. So, Roger, we're talking about masks. Your take on what John was saying earlier and what I'm saying, that this kind of defiant enough is enough. The masks don't work anyway. They're not going to produce the kind of protection we're being told, not to mention the fact that John had a great point. Common sense says if you have to sneeze or cough, you do it in your arm or whatever. That's what we do. And therefore, you mitigate the spread of that. But other than that, this is just a feeble Jedi mind trick that the left and the media has managed to uh, convince the overwhelming majority of Americans you better have the security blanket wrapped around your mm-hmm. face or your That's life right. is in danger. Yeah, and it's amazing how many people will go out and put themselves in risky situations wearing these so-called masks. And when you see people wearing you know, anything from the 
cloth surgical style mask that you can buy 10 for 5 bucks at your local supermarket or people wearing, you know, pantyhose or, you know, bandanas or whatever that that have no medical value whatsoever. Right. Um, I, I'm amazed that the people who are in the science is settled category, quote unquote, um, have been ignoring the fact that we've had a record low number of flu uh, report cases right. reported in the United States. Flu deaths are way down. And part of the reason why is when people who have the flu go out and about in the population, usually they cough and sneeze and do whatever they're going to do, and other people get the flu that way. Well, more and more people who have the flu are either staying home or if they are symptomatic and they're wearing a mask, that makes perfect sense. I know I do hospital visitations as part of my pastoral ministry. Whenever we go to a hospital visit for someone who's in ICU or something like that, everyone's wearing a mask and gown because that person we know is compromised and we want to make sure that everybody in that room and in that space has the covering. The minute you step out of the room, you take all that stuff off. I mean, it's literally for the person who is in that general vicinity. If people paid closer attention to the symptomatic people. This is the, the gray area I think that the left loves. Well, 80% of people who get COVID are asymptomatic. So therefore, everyone has to wear a mask. Was it Pennsylvania now is actually trying to have a mask mandate for what people do in their own homes? I mean, it's it's ridiculous, <laughs> but it's amazing how the left is just the, so free thinking and independent and look at us go and we all have a mind of our own. But the minute the government says you need to wear a mask because that will stop COVID-19, people mm-hmm. believe it. You know, they, they, it's amazing how, with, without questioning it, and how many people are waiting for a vaccine because that's going to solve the problem. Look, guys, 50,000 people a year die of the flu, and we have flu shots every year. So, I mean, for crying out loud, I mean, the vaccine is going to make this. Well, I know. Yeah, not this year, way lower, that's for sure. Yeah, but you they're know, called COVID lower. deaths, which brings us mm-hmm. to the, right. you know, we got to remind people of what the actual facts are. And and this is, I don't know how you guys are dealing with this with, with your own audiences on your own shows, okay? But for me, it's really frustrating how difficult of a time I'm having getting people to look at the actual math in this, okay, and some basic facts. Because once you once your feelings and emotions have formed an opinion for you, it's almost impossible to get people to change this. But uh, and I, I, have, I have some. I, I know we got to take a break at the bottom of the hour. I've got some input that I want to put into what you just oh, said. Oh, absolutely. Well, well, let's do that. Let's go through the math, the numbers, the facts. Let's examine logically, factually, using statistics and data, not feelings and emotions. I'll tell you what, we'll do that in a couple of minutes. And there's a lot of other things we're going to talk about as well in the second half of this National Crawford Roundtable podcast. We're going to get into vaccines, uh, Pfizer, Moderna, and, and some. Some of the things that we're hearing now uh, are, should we be taking the vaccine? How do we look at it? Uh, are forced vaccinations coming as a result of this? I absolutely think so. But uh, so there's a lot more to get to as we continue the second half of this National Crawford Roundtable. And you folks can listen to the second half online. You can do this by going to Crawford.live. And by the way, while you're there, Check out all of our past episodes as well that are archived. Or, of course, you can listen to us by subscribing to Apple Podcast, Stitcher, TuneIn, and more. And by the way, we don't mind if you want to give us a nice five-star review. We'll gladly take it. But anyway, the bottom half, coming up here of the National Crawford Roundtable. This has been a Crawford Broadcasting production. 
the second half now of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast with Neil Boron of Neil Boron Live out of Buffalo, New York, who is not with us today. We wish Neil and his family the best. Look forward to him being back next week. With Roger Marsh of The Bottom Line from the People's Republic of California, John Rush of Rush to Reason from Denver, Colorado, myself, Bob Duco, Bob Duco Show out of Detroit. And so we're talking about COVID, all things COVID right now, and uh, where we stand at this point, and, and how at this point we're shifting into a discussion of what's the what are the numbers, what's the math, how dangerous is this actually really uh, right now? And Roger, to the point that we were talking about before, and I want to get your input on this. Uh, there are a lot of people right now that say. Yeah, but we have to take these measures. We have to do the lockdowns. We have to wear the masks. We have to social distance because don't you know we run the risk of spreading coronavirus, right? And what? And don't you know that coronavirus, Roger, spreads easier and faster than the flu? And I'm like, hey, I agree that it spreads easier and faster. By the way, so does the common cold. Why aren't we afraid of getting the common cold? Because it's not actually really that life-threatening for your average person when you do get it, relatively speaking. But, Roger, we can't seem to get people to look at the math, the data, and the statistics when it comes to the deadly versus non-deadly nature of coronavirus. And so I got some numbers I want to share, but I'd love to get your input first. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we, the, the same people who keep saying the science, the science, the math, the math, trust the numbers, don't, don't trust the political rhetoric, and will easily dismiss someone like Donald Trump or, or a, a Republican leader, a conservative leader, even a Christian leader, for crying out loud, here in the People's Republic, we have a church right now that is trying to redesignate themselves as a strip club so they can actually open up and have church meetings because of this COVID ban. Because apparently it's easier to go to a strip club right now with outdoor right. requirements and masks and distancing than it is to have a church. They said, fine if i have to call like john MacArthur said this isn't a church service it's a peaceful protest you know to to, right. to, to circumvent this but it, it, it's ridiculous but when you look at the actual numbers i just keep reminding people two percent two percent two percent two percent of the population has been infected with this and two percent of those people wind up losing their lives and only about two to four percent of those people actually died of COVID. everybody else has a comorbidity when you break it down that small then the washington post and the new york times update 11 million 12 million infections 250,000 deaths all on you know but now the stock market is coming back up because there's going to be a regime change and there's going to be a vaccine and there's a light at the end of the tunnel i'm like look the light at the end of that tunnel is an oncoming train we, yep. we certainly don't want that <laughs> but we've got to, how do you educate people i think you have to do it one at a time it takes one instance like i mean maybe something as extreme as your son bob which i think is hilarious you know i mean hmm. that, that kind of playing pc against pc but just standing up for common sense and being willing to endure a little scorn and ridicule and even a few Karens and Kevins coming after you going, but you can't do that. But really, I mean, just in terms of starting with the, with the basic data that we're about to walk through here and let's, let's take it a step at a time and, and help people kind of get back to some semblance of sanity, not necessarily normalcy. Oh, I could not agree and, with and, you more. And Go real ahead, quick, John. we got to take out, we got to take out of the picture too, which I think is true, especially for, for Christians, and you know, and, and I want to say this in a way, preface all of this with, do I love people? Absolutely. Do I want anyone to die? Of course not. And guys, that includes whether it's from diabetes, heart failure, a stroke, Alzheimer's. I mean, all, all things combined. Do, you know, as Christians, do we want anyone to pass away? Of course not. Of course not. I, I think we need to make sure we say that so that everybody doesn't think we're just a you know three cold-hearted, you know, old men on a podcast talking about you know, the death rate of COVID. So guys, everybody listening, I know I speak on behalf of even Neil, who's not here, Bob and, and uh, 
Roger as well, that yeah, we don't want anyone to pass away, period. That, that, that is not what Amen. we're saying right. here. But but you have to put everything into perspective. And as Christians even, I think where I'm coming from, guys, and what, I'm, what I mean by putting into perspective is the news media has done a tremendous job of highlighting those deaths that have occurred from COVID, even the one-offs, the, you know, the 30-year-old that, that was maybe, you know, in, in all uh, appearances perfectly healthy that ends up having a really hard time with COVID or maybe even dying from COVID. I mean, the news media has done a really good job of cherry-picking those particular cases. In, in fact, just as a side note for all of you Christians that are listening, you never see that when it comes to you know, occasionally maybe a car accident, but you never see that rare case in the paper of somebody that dies of heart failure in their 30s or that right. dies of diabetes in their 30s or that dies of H1N1 or guys, I can go down the list. I mean, yeah, if it's a horrific accident, it might actually make the paper. But outside of that, those particular deaths, which, by the way, is a travesty among those people that have died that sure. never got a highlight. But yet the person that died of, quote unquote, COVID does get the highlight. So, again, as Christians, we need to put all of this into perspective. And I realize that all of us probably know someone that knows someone that maybe has been affected adversely and passed away from COVID. But outside of that, I mean, how many people directly do you know have actually passed away from COVID? And in my world, I don't know anyone directly. I know some, some people through people that have, but I don't know of anyone directly that has actually died from COVID. And I know the Colorado statistics, which are very similar to the rest of the country, our statistics are 0.05 of a percent of all deaths of dying in Colorado of COVID. That's for everybody that's even elderly that was in the nursing home that was probably on their last, you know, had their had a foot in the grave already that passed away from COVID. I mean, that's getting all of those added in. You know, your chances of dying in a car accident are higher than it is of COVID in Colorado. Yeah. Well, you know what? This is where the numbers come in and become important. Now, I do have to say for disclosure, uh, a friend of mine from church, 67 years old, uh, he did actually die last week from COVID, okay? Uh, and so th this is like, okay, but you know what? I also have had friends who caught the flu, the flu turned into pneumonia, turned into Correct. double pneumonia, got into their lungs, they got into the hospital, it created more complications, and they ultimately ended up dying from that, okay? That has happened as well. But let's, let's examine the actual numbers here, okay? We hear 250, 260,000 deaths. Okay, take 250,000 COVID deaths. Uh, if I use the CDC's numbers, and this is on the CDC website, although it's buried deep, you really got to search to find it. They tell you what you were mentioning earlier, uh, John, that uh, there's only 6% of all coronavirus deaths, only 6% the people had COVID only. 94% of all coronavirus deaths, they had an average of 26 additional comorbidities right. that That's they right. could have died from those. Now, are, so if you take 250,000, right, uh, 6% is about 15,000. Okay, mm -hmm. so you got 15,000 deaths that we can safely say are COVID. We got 235,000 deaths of people that died that happened to have COVID or even suspected COVID because the CDC also tells hospitals if someone dies – 
and they have not been tested for COVID. All they need is at least one COVID-like symptom, like a fever or whatever, and you can call that an assumed or presumed uh, COVID death, and then it becomes a probable COVID cause of death on the death certificate. So of that 235,000, I have no doubt that some of those people Maybe COVID contributed to their death and they wouldn't have died from that stroke uh, had they not have had COVID. Maybe they could have survived. So I have no doubt that applies to some of them. But I also have no doubt that many, many of those 235,000 are people that if there was no such thing as COVID, they would have died from one of their comorbidities that they had. And that's really what caused them to die, not coronavirus. So with that said, Let's now go to the survival rates. According to the CDC, the survival rates of the flu are between 99.5 and 99.9. Okay, fine. Uh, For COVID, I had COVID. I got over it a few weeks ago, okay? Uh, I'm 60 years old, just turned 60. In my age group of 50 to 69, the survival rate, according to the CDC's own website, is 99.5%, right in line with the flu. But wait, that's on the assumption that all 250,000 COVID deaths are actually really COVID deaths. We know it's a lot smaller than that, which means we know the survival rate for my age group, our age group, is actually a lot higher than 99.5. So that means even in our age group, even up to the age of 70, your, your risk of dying if you catch the flu is higher than your risk of dying if you catch coronavirus. And when you work down in age, age 20 to, to 49, the survival rate is 99.98%. And for 19 and below, it's 99.997%. And again, that's on the assumption that all 250,000, quote, COVID deaths are actually really COVID deaths. And we know it's smaller than that. So when I look at these numbers, guys, I'm telling you for the life of me, I cannot figure out, uh, Roger, why it is that uh, so many people just insist, continue on declaring that this has to be such a danger and a threat and we have to mask up our five-year-old children. It's, it, it really – I just want people to look at the facts, the data, and let's follow the science. And by the way, the numbers I gave, that's from the CDC. That's not from a Trump tweet. That's from the CDC, <laughs> Roger. Yeah, and those are important numbers to take a look at, especially when you consider the number of people who will look at these things and say, okay, well, you're just doing that because you're a Trump supporter and you know, you're a Christian and, and you don't like that type of thing, as opposed to uh, looking at the actual facts. Uh, Muriel Bowser is the uh, mayor of Washington, D.C., and a couple weeks ago we did a story on Bottom Line Show about the fact that the, the hypocrisy is in full display. This is a woman who went to a, a, a Black Lives Matter rally in June. I think it was for one of the, the police shootings. She went to a Joe Biden meeting in Delaware uh, short, either shortly before or shortly after the election, and these were uh, not social distanced, masks were optional, and yet there was a, a historic Methodist church in town in D.C. that was trying to have an outdoor service 
service as opposed to just a strictly indoor service and they were trying to hold them to the indoor seating requirements even though they were distanced and masked and and, and basically the judge the in the second circuit court ruled in favor of the church and said look i mean obviously you can't you can't have it both ways you can't sign an executive order that says this is the law of the land or get your city council to pass an order that you yourselves aren't willing to enforce I, and we see that i mean the three of us sitting here seeing that and if neil were here he would say the same thing uh, that we are the fact that we're just calling out the hypocrisy more than anything else and wanting to know what the standard is. If there is a genuine health risk and a concern and the mask and the distancing do in fact play a part in it, then everybody has to abide by this. But if you keep coming up with all these selective add-on, oh, well, this only applies to you, but it's like the George Carlin line, this law is eternal except for this weekend. You know, th <laughs> right. Those types of exceptions, people start to see through them after a while and you become the people who are thoughtful and discerning versus the people who are blind and have this uh, idiotic allegiance to what they're being told. I mean, and our discernment here is far more important now, not only just to us and for where we are as Christians and conservative thinkers, but also I think for the state of our nation. I mean, the mm -hmm. fact that there's there's such a lack of discernment and 78 million people or whatever said, we'll just drink the Kool-Aid. We're fine. Give me the vaccine. Give me the chip. Give me the tracing. I'm okay with that. Have Alexa listen to all my conversations in my house. I'm okay with that. You know, and it's just, it, it's ridiculous. It's, it's, well, it's crazy. I want to watch TV. I don't want my TV watching me. Right. I know we got to take a break, guys. I got something I want to add to that real quick, but let's take a break real quick. We'll come right back. National Crawford Roundtable. Dr. Michael Yusuf leads the way for people living in spiritual darkness to discover the light of Jesus Christ. This tremendous outreach begins with the proclamation of God's Word through the uncompromising biblical teaching of Dr. Michael Yusuf. Leading the Way is here to equip and strengthen the church to stand strong and to advance the gospel in today's ever-changing world. Listen to Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Yusuf at ltw.org listen, and be sure to mention you heard about their program on the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. And we're back, National Crawford Roundtable, myself, Bob, and uh, Roger Neal is out today, and, and our, our prayers are with him and his family through Thanksgiving, and hope he has a great Thanksgiving like, like the rest of you all, that we uh, pray that you all have the same uh, joyful and uh, communitive, let's say it that way, guys, uh, Thanksgiving, where everybody gets together and thanks the Lord for all of the blessings that we do have in our lives, even in regards to what's going on with COVID and all of that. But, but I want to add something, Roger, to what you said, and this is the, probably the thing, guys, that bothers me more than anything going on right now is I feel like we have the, the amount of lemmings in the country that we have, especially Christian lemmings, which by the way, we as Christians have a huge influence. And I feel like as Christians, there's been a lot of cowering when it comes to COVID. And frankly, that cowering has come from the church itself because the church leaders have not stood up to government. And there's been a few, there's the John MacArthur's of the world that have done it, but by and large guys, I think it's like the COVID numbers. 99.999% of churches have just followed along with whatever edict the government has given to them. Even though those edicts are not constitutional, they have still cowered and done that very same thing and required mass and required this and required that and have literally bowed to everything the government has said for fear of, I don't know what, guys, I guess that's a conversation we can have at a later date, but I don't know what the fear is that's coming from Christians, but are we not supposed to be bold for Christ and bold for our faith? Yet I haven't seen that in the Christian community at I all. I know, and you know what? We're, we're seeing this more and more churches like, oh, we, uh, well, we're, we're caving into this fear as well. And why don't we, why don't we apply this? If the argument's going to be. 
well, yeah, but we need to try to mitigate death and we need to care about people who die. And of course we do. Of course we do. But why are we stopping at coronavirus then? Okay, with the flu, 50 to 60,000 people on average die from the flu. Why last year didn't we demand and shame people into wearing masks all last year? Because maybe we could have saved a few tens of thousands of flu lives. But for that matter... Bob, let me go one step further. Why, as Christians... Do we allow donuts and all right. sorts of other things that we know are eventually going to kill people if that's all they feast on? Why do we do that in churches on an ongoing basis? I would venture to guess, and I'm going to make a bold statement here, that inside of the Christian community, we probably have a higher obesity rate inside of the Christian community than out because of some of the things that I just said. If we really want to take health seriously and do the things that you just said, wouldn't we do better at some of those things? You would think. You would think. So we're, we're basically the same hypocrites that right. are on the outside of the Christian world. Yeah, and so and, and by the way, why don't we apply this across the board? Why don't we start? Look, we know we live in a fallen world. We have for the last six thousand years. So we walk Correct. our lives basically through a minefield of things that can kill you. Uh, that is the world that we live in. We understand that. But why don't we take the same principle of COVID? and apply it to other things like, for example, and I've mentioned this number before, last year there were 99,000 Americans who died from hospital-acquired illnesses. So these are people that either go to the hospital because you broke your arm and, oh, no, you pick up a bug while you're there. But usually it's somebody visiting a loved one in the hospital, and while they're there, they end up picking up a bug, and uh, they, they go out of there, and that bug ends up progressing, getting worse and worse, turns into two or three more things, and they ultimately end up dying. 99,000 a year. And I can't even imagine how high the number is for people that have flown in planes over the years and pick up a bug and that ends up ultimately killing them. But just the hospital acquired illnesses. So do we now, guys, do we now start passing laws and edicts that say you're not allowed to visit a loved one in a hospital, and if you do visit a loved one in a hospital, you have to wear a mask, but then you also have to be quarantined yourself for 14 days, and we have to contact Trace to see who you have had contact right. with over the right. next two or three weeks, because do we now start giving the government that kind of control over our no. lives? No, no. Hey, now, why not? Gone. It saves 99,000 lives a year, so why not? Don't you care about people dying? Hey, know, I, can, I put a, can I put a stick in the spoke here? We need to take a break. So All why right. don't we take a break, and then we can back and solve this and many of the other world problems <laughs> you got just it. a moment. As this edition of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast continues. Dr. James Dobson left a successful career in academia to preserve and promote the biblical family in America. The radio broadcasting ministry of Dr. Dobson spans over four decades, earning him 17 honorary doctorate degrees and an induction into the National Radio Hall of Fame. Today, Dr. Dobson continues to champion marriage and parenthood through Family Talk. Listen every weekday at drjamesdobson.org and be sure to reference the National Crawford Roundtable podcast when asked how you listen to Family Talk. Welcome back to the National Crawford Roundtable podcast along with Bob Duco, host of the Bob Duco Show in Detroit, John Rush, Rush to Reason out of Denver, Colorado. Uh, Neil Boron has the week off, and we're giving him uh, Thanksgiving to be thankful and spend time with his family, uh, WDCX in Buffalo. I'm Roger Marsh, host of the Bottom Line Show here in the People's Republic of California, and we're talking about the the... the 
I, I didn't mean to run in and throw a penalty marker here, but I, I was like the referee saying, we need a TV timeout here uh, to talk about what, but where, but this is where we're going. I mean, this is in essence what, what is happening here. You know, don't you care about people? John, I really resonated with the points you were making about we in the church. Um, I, I want to add another statistic to the uh, to what you were talking about because all the health issues, I mean, uh, we had a very dear, sweet pastor years ago at our church who came from a family of morbidly obese people and he died quote unquote prematurely of all sorts of problems that diet and exercise could have corrected and for whatever reason no one really cared and it's a lutheran church and let's pile on the carbs you know no one really i mean it's i don't want to say we didn't care but we didn't care i mean in terms of that there are so many areas where the church is complicit with the problems of society can i throw another statistic in and that is 54 percent of women who have abortions are regular churchgoers Hmm. i mean the fact that we look at abortion as some horrible evil that now a biden administration is going to make even worse we got to start with the house of god first and foremost and say look it's happening here you know all of the health issues that we're describing all the comorbidities that are you know exacerbated by COVID-19 um, are, these are things that are affecting the church as well and quite frankly I, I really get the sense that God is calling us as the church to be the church first and foremost and it's that whole you know when Jesus said look you Pharisees wash the outside of the cup but the inside of the cup is still filthy if you clean the inside then the outside becomes clean this is where this begins judgment begins with the house of God so rather than looking at society and saying how are we going to stand up to democratic takeovers and things like that we in the body of christ need to look at this i believe as saying well maybe what's happening here isn't so much a question of the church being under attack but maybe there's a purification process going on here and it's it's gut check time for us yeah that's what we may be walking right into i agree i i think it really is in the body of christ there is a certain gut check at, at play right now and it is it's disheartening to see how many christians have caved into the fear factor have caved into the inconsistencies, have caved into their own emotion and feelings, and are, are and have caved into ushering in a new age of socialism, communism, totalitarianism, and, and government control in our lives. And it's like, what is going on? Come on, why don't we trust in the Lord? Or why don't we not walk around in a bunch of fear? That doesn't mean we don't take practical steps and wisdom, and we get that. But it's not wisdom to be slapping masks all over our faces and locking down and not getting together with family and shutting down churches out of the fear of catching coronavirus, but not taking all these draconian steps to reduce the deaths of hospital-acquired infections or cold and flu, or for that matter, slips and falls. You realize people slipping in the bathtub, hitting their head, people falling off the ladder, cleaning out their gutters, people going up and down the stairs in their home and slipping and falling at a 170,000 Americans every yep. year die from those things. Uh, do we you now— You want to another story, guys, that goes yeah. along with those lines, by Please. the way? So a lot of you out there listening, and, you know, Bob and, and Roger know this. So, you know, I do snow removal as uh, part of the other business that I have a living in and that I do and so on. And do you want to know, when it's all said and done, who some of my cheapest clients are when it comes to actually clearing snow and making sure things are safe for the people walking in and out of the building? Hmm. Oh. churches yeah so if we really guys cared about people the way the church claims they do wouldn't i be called out first to make sure things are all done and handled and taken right. care of on a snowy sunday morning versus uh oh let's let it build to two inches first before we do anything 
Yeah, but here's a better idea. Why don't we have the government step in and determine whether churches and businesses are allowed to be open or not allowed to be open based on the temperature and the rain factor sure. and the snow good factor? Point, why don't yeah, we control point. their lives? And by the way, why don't we have the government tell grandma, based on your age, whether you're allowed to take a bath or not, what kind of bathtub you have to have, what kind yep. of slippers you yep. have to wear, and what kind of carpeting you're allowed to have on your stairs. And by the way, for that matter, people at a certain age should not be allowed to go uh, on stairs anymore. They have to purchase a ranch. They have to sell their colonial and buy a ranch instead so they have no stairs. To oh, and she's not allowed. Grandma's not allowed to go into the basement. That's illegal. The government says so because, I mean, where... Why aren't we ha having the government control every aspect of our lives and all these other areas that could save millions of lives? Uh, we don't do that. We understand we live in a fallen world and we walk through a minefield for several decades of this life. But for some reason, COVID is treated entirely different. All right. Uh, my goodness. All right. Let me ask you guys real quick as we kind of wind down our time together here. What about the vaccine? We're hearing, uh, of course, Moderna and Pfizer. And let me just say, isn't it interesting that Moderna and Pfizer don't come out with this information until conveniently after the election? Can't give Donald Trump a perceived victory on this. Okay, fine. But Pfizer says uh, our vaccine is 92.5 or whatever percent effective. Then Moderna says, hey, ours is 94.5. And Pfizer came back and said, actually, ours is 95, as well, as well, whatever. Uh, but the bottom line, vaccines are going to be available in the next couple of weeks. Before we get into the mandatory nature of this and government control, what are your general thoughts about people getting vaccines? Do you plan on getting one? I could tell you guys right now, I have no intention of getting a COVID vaccine. Same here. Uh, yep. not at all. I'm, I'm, that's a hard no. I mean, in our family, we have a swift and answer, a swift and, and firm response to that, and it's nope. nope. And that would be a, just a hard nope. I mean, I, yep. I, the, and, and t coming as somebody who uh, had open heart surgery, and the only time I've ever had a flu and pneumonia shot was to get out of the hospital because they said your chest has been compromised, your lungs have been compromised. If you got pneumonia right now, you would die. And I understood that. I absolutely understood that. And now that I've been out of it, I was at the doctor's office yesterday, and they asked me, it, it was a dermatology appointment, uh, have you had a flu shot yet? And I said, nope. And you know, what are they going to do? I mean, it's the dermatologist for crying out loud. What do they care if I've had a flu shot? Right. But uh, nonetheless, um, the, the hard no. It's going to be a difficult um, uh, recovery period for a lot of people. They're not, their bodies aren't going to take to this uh, too well. And so many people are saying, yeah, give me the shot because then I'll be safe because I can trust the vaccine. And they don't realize what's going to go into the vaccine, I mean, in terms of the tracking and tracing mechanisms. That's, that's where a lot of people are going to lose their liberty and they're going to lose their minds when they find out what they gave up. Oh, so true. What about you, John? Uh, John, I don't picture you getting the vaccine. Nope. And again, guys, why would I get a vaccine for something that I have less than a, in my age group and in, in my healthy lifestyle and so on? I've got some sort of a, a nil chance of dying from COVID. In fact, I would say that I, I probably have a higher risk of having an adverse side effect from the vaccine itself than I would from COVID. Why would I get the vaccine? Yeah. Not to mention the fact I had COVID. So why in the world would I get yeah, it? You don't need it okay. at all. I don't. Yeah. Need you're it. immune now, buddy. You're yeah. golden. You're in good shape. I know. Uh, now, what about the forced vaccination part of this? We've already that's seen... That's a better question. In fact, that's something, guys, that I think... I, I mean, no offense, five minutes left of this, this podcast or so. I don't know if we have enough time to really 
get into that. That's a deeper discussion it because it even is. for myself, that's where things get a little bit dicier because in my other business that I mentioned a moment ago, you know, we do some things and entertain some clients and, and uh, you know, do some things that involve, you know, ball games and things along those lines. And it may get to the point where you're not going to go to any of those events without either having a negative, co- you know, negative COVID test, you know, within a certain amount of hours prior to the event. Right. Or the vaccine. And in my world, that could get very expensive doing COVID tests over and over and over again. In that case, yes, I'm going to have to take a really hard look at what's the cost benefit of having, you know, said vaccine versus doing all of the COVID tests. And that's something that, you know, we haven't gotten Hmm. to there yet. So I don't know that I have to make that decision tomorrow. But that throws a monkey wrench into what I just said a moment ago, because personally, I don't think I need one and don't want one. But they may force you to have one in a way that they're really not forcing you to. All right. So let's do this. Let's table that discussion because you're right, John. There are a lot of branches to this discussion, and this is a deep well. And so on an upcoming podcast, maybe two, three weeks from now, as they start rolling out the vaccines, we are going to address this issue of mandatory vaccines because there are many, many aspects of this to go into. Uh, We do have less than five minutes left in this podcast, and this is Thanksgiving week. And uh, I just kind of want to maybe in our last couple of minutes here, throw it around the table uh, for the issue of thankfulness to talk about this, because I know that this year, 2020, has been a very, very frustrating year, certainly for many Christians, for many conservatives, for many Americans. We see the whole COVID thing. All right, we got that issue. Add to that now the the dishonesty from the media and the hype and the fear and the panic and everything else. Add to that the financial devastation that people have experienced. Uh, add to that people being separated from their families because it's all no social distancing. We can't have anybody over. We got to say hi to grandma through glass. Uh, add to that the uh, churches that have been closed down and the people wanting to get them together and worship and they haven't done. So there's a lot of frustration on people's part. And then you add to that all the rioting and and racial unrest that was hyped up by the media as well this year. And then, of course, add to that the 2020 election. And really, are you kidding me? Donald Trump doesn't get another four years and a rigged election is going to allow the Democrats to steal this and put Joe Biden in power. So I know that a lot of Christians are like, I'm just very, very frustrated right now. But you know, this is a good time, I think, especially Thanksgiving week, to remind ourselves of what we've said all along, guys. Jesus Christ is still Lord. God is still on his throne. My hope is in him, not in fairness of elections or what goes on in our society around us. And it just seems to me, even in the midst of all of this, we have so much to be thankful for. And the fact is, I I do want to remind myself to thank the Lord for my family, for the blessings and freedoms and liberties that we do still have in this country, okay? The fact that we're able to put food on our table, when you look at the way people are living in abject poverty around the world, and while our freedoms are being infringed upon and will be over the next four years, we still have so many more freedoms than Christians in North Korea, in China, in Iran, in other places that are dying for their faith. So I just want to remind myself to have a thankful heart to the Lord and say, Lord, I thank you for the many blessings that you've given us in the midst of all of this. If the Apostle Paul can be thankful in the midst of shipwrecks and imprisonment, 
certainly we can be thankful living in the royalty world of the United States of America and the blessings that we have. And the, my biggest thanks of all is God giving us a path to uh, be washed clean of our sins and reconciled unto him and come to this earth to dying, shed his blood, Jesus shedding his blood so that we could be washed clean of our sins and preparing a place for us for all of eternity in heaven. Everything above that is gravy, guys. So I think there's a lot to be thankful for in this Thanksgiving week. Let's uh, run around the table real quick here in our last couple of minutes. John Rush. Yes, cinnamon, everything you just said, Bob. I mean, even given all of the climate of everything, you know, bottom line is I still know where I'm going when I uh, when I die. I, I know my family feels the same way. We still are in this together when it comes to that end of things. As a family, we're in this together. We are still, as a family, in my world at least, very blessed with what the Lord has given to us. And uh, continue to, you know, we, we want to continue to pour those blessings out onto others. And I think that's something as Christians we not we, we need to not lose sight of is that, you know, yes, we are very blessed. And yes, I'm going to continue to use those blessings in a way that benefit him and the kingdom. And I will do that until the day I die, no matter what. And, and I'm committed on that end of things. And so the reality is, yes, do I still have a lot to be thankful for? Uh, I owe everything I have to him. And I am very thankful for that. Yes, absolutely. And uh, Roger Marsh, take us out with this. What's the bottom line, Roger? <laughs> well, the bottom line is we do live in in, in the best government and the best uh, country in the history of the world. I mean, I realize if you look historically, there have been some other places where some really major developments have happened. But to be living in this time, in this place right now, even in spite of all of the things that we talked about here, um, I don't think any one of us would trade it for anything else. We have uh, good health. We have good families. And uh, and uh, for those of us who, you know, we, all three of us have had our health challenges in our lives and the fact that we realize that every day is a gift. And may we never forget that. You know, we uh, continue to uh, give thanks to God each and every day. But I think it's wonderful that this year on uh, Thanksgiving and uh, and this week in particular, we'll be giving thanks for not just the the the, the creature comforts, you know, and the fact that we've got nice homes and nice employment. Um, I I said this last week, I think, on the podcast, and I'll say it again this week. I I still I, I love working with you guys. I think it's so fun to have a conservative voice coming out of four deeply blue. I mean, dark dark blue. I mean, as blue <laughs> blue blue as you can get. Blue on blue, heartache on heartache, blue. And yet, the fact that we can have this the conversation and continue to thrive in the commercial radio world is just that that in and of itself is of a gift. But um, yep. for everyone who listens to this program and gives us you know, the reviews that you do, um, we love the feedback. We're grateful for the opportunity. And we look forward to you know, a, a, a holiday season you know, where we've got Christmas and, and New Year's coming up where we really do anticipate. I mean, in the Lutheran Church, blue is the color, actually, of Advent. And, and we, because we're anticipating the birth of Christ, but we're also anticipating his return. And mm, yeah. if the events of this world are leading us toward that kind of anticipation on both fronts, then we say, you know, even so come Lord Jesus, but until he does, we occupy until you return. So uh, very Absolutely. thankful guys. Thanks for, thanks for the partnership. And uh, I'm looking forward to uh, many more great podcasts together here having these conversations. I just know Roger, thanks to you. Now the rest of the day, I'm going to have Bobby Vinton blue. on blue. <laughs> so, so thanks a lot. Uh, <laughs> well, I could, I could have done Mac the knife. I mean, we well, could, the, done, the, this is that, true. that would have been appropriate too. This yeah. is true. All right, <laughs> folks, it's another national Crawford round table. Uh, we always appreciate you folks tuning in. We, we're always mindful of you listening, and we thank you so much 
for listening. Uh, and of course, you can listen to previous podcasts as well at Crawford.live. You can also listen to us, subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and more. Uh, those of you that have been giving us nice reviews and five-star reviews, we thank you so much for that. We really appreciate it. And, and by the way, folks, we, you know, we're thankful to the Lord for so much, but one of the things we're thankful for is we're thankful for you, our listeners, uh, that, that, that listen to us and join us. And we would encourage you to pray for us uh, certainly. And we wish everybody just the best Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving week, Black Friday mania. Uh, as we move into Christmas, we look forward to being with you next week as well, everybody. And Roger Marsh of California, John Rush of Denver, myself, Bob Duco out of uh, Detroit, Michigan, and the vacationing Neil Boron, who'll be back with us next week. Gentlemen, always great talking with you. Thank you so much. We'll see you guys next week. All right. Thanks, Bob. All Thanks, right, John. you bet. Take care. God bless everybody. This has been the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Download and subscribe to the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast, available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and more. Apple users can rate the podcast, and we'd appreciate your five-star rating. National Crawford Roundtable Podcast returns with a new discussion each week. Be sure to watch for the notification on your podcast app. This has been a Crawford Broadcasting Company production.